Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. My name's Joel, and uh, we're continuing our series called Live No Lies that we started last week. Um, It's based on a book by John, well, it's based on the Bible, Uh, but the concept comes uh, from a a book called Live No Lies by John Mark Comer, and uh, we're glad that you are with us today. Um, Have you ever, let's just be honest in church today, have you ever told a little white lie? Okay, be honest. I have, okay? Have you ever told... You know, one of these little kind of lies that we're like, ah, you know, it's okay to tell just a little one uh, when it's appropriate. Uh, You know, maybe we want to protect someone or hide something embarrassing as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, right? It's okay to tell these things. No one will ever know. Um, But is is there really such a thing as a lie that doesn't hurt anyone? And in, in, in John, I mean, let's, is, is there? Do we know? I don't know. Uh, sometimes, you know, lie, a lie will just come from somewhere and we're like, why did I lie about that? That's so dumb. Why did, like, you know what I mean? Like, it happens sometimes. And you just, you know, a, a lie that comes up, we can just be honest. You're just looking at me like, oh, this is the only one who lies? Okay, this guy, <laughs> he's going to preach to us today? All right. <laughs> um, no, we'll be honest. You know, told some lies now and again in our lives, right? And, and we're not proud of them. Sometimes a lie slips out and you're like, why did I? Tell that lie about that. This is silly. Um, it doesn't make any sense. But in John chapter 8, uh, Jesus is talking to some guys and they're these Jews and they're, they're not believing what Jesus is saying. They're like confused about what you're, you're saying that you're the, the son of God. You're saying that you're our God. And they're like, what, what is going on? And, and Jesus addresses them pretty intensely in John chapter 8. He says, um, you are of your father, the devil. Your will is to do the Father's desires. And this is what he says about the devil. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning. Just remember that line. He was a murderer from the beginning. We're going to come back to it a little bit later uh, in another scripture that we go through. He does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks of his own character. For he is a liar, the father of lies. Jesus calls the devil the father of lies. Like he's like the the origin of lies. Lies are the language of the devil. And though it may not be that the devil's like on your shoulder, like, like, you know, in the movies, the little devil here whispering lies into your uh, ear all the time. That might not be how he operates. Um, But uh, what happens is, is he, he gets his, his, he starts to speak to us through different things in the world. And, and, uh, there's different ways that he does it. We're going to explore that today. And what happens is uh, lies are his language. This is how he has his way in our life by um, getting lies into our mind and in our heart. And so what happens when we lie and why it's such a big deal when we lie is that when we lie, we speak the language of the enemy. Wow. And so even though a little white lie might not hurt anyone, wow, this is actually really powerful because when we lie, even though it might not be hurting anyone, it still could be hurting us. Still could be making us a little bit darker because we're speaking the language of the devil. It aligns you with the devil. 
Lies are his signature move. And so when we, when we speak a lie, we're aligned with him. The devil hates the truth. And part of the reason he hates the truth is that if you knew the truth about yourself, he will lose any influence he has over you. So when you start to read the word of God, when you start to believe the word of God, it's, it's, it's almost like if you thought there was this little kind of devil on your shoulder, it's every time you do that, you're starting to brush that devil off. And when you start to get the word of God in your life, when you stop to live the lies that we sometimes get into living in our lives, I spat on my sleeve, that's a new one. Um, <laughs> when, we, when, we, when we start to get the truth of God in our lives, what happens? He loses influence. When you start to realize you're chosen, you're called by name, you're a royal priesthood, you're washed white as snow, okay? Not the snow on the sides of our roads, the snow up on the mountaintop and in the treetop. You're a new creation in Christ. Do you believe that this morning? Are you awake? Are you ready for God to do something in your life today? Okay, let's be a little bit louder in church this morning. How does he lie? How does he lie? The devil uses lies that are mostly true, but he twists the truth. Have you seen this in your life? He doesn't just randomly throw some weird thing at you and he's like, this is how I'm gonna lie to you. Elvis is still alive. <laughs> like what, or here's my favorite Canadian conspiracy theory, okay? This is a very niche, I would say it's a Canadian millennial conspiracy theory. Very niche conspiracy theory. It's one of my favorite, well, it is my favorite maybe conspiracy theory ever. But have you ever heard the conspiracy theory that Avril Lavigne died? and was replaced by someone in 2003 named Melissa. It's very niche. It's not too many people know this one, but this is true. It's my, it's my favorite. So the, the devil, like, he's not gonna lie to us like that. Like, what impact does that have on my life? You know, other than like, my life is a lie. Avril Lavigne is actually Melissa. But how would that impact your life? What the devil does is he uses emotional Personal lies that are mostly true, but he twists them. Okay, so what do I mean by that? You're disorganized. This is true. Okay, this, I'm just saying this for my life. Okay, you're disorganized. True. You'll never be organized. Lie. That person hurt you. True. They meant to do it. Lie. He twists things. You can stop looking at pornography whenever you want. True, but you don't need any help with it. Lie. You feel like a failure. That can be true. You are a failure. That's a lie. People don't approve of you. Those people, that group, they don't approve of you. That might actually be true. You need to do everything you possibly can to be accepted by them. That's a lie. And when you start to believe it, you start to live it. And we don't want to live any lies. And this is what happens. What happens here is strongholds occur in our lives. What are strongholds? A pattern, a way of thinking, something we get in our heart and in our, in our mind, and it starts to hold you back. You start to sort of almost, this is sort of the framework that the enemy would use. So it's not that he's just in your ear, just all lies all the time. What, what often happens is he just has a framework and he can use that to stop us from living in the freedom that God has for us and getting things in our hearts and our minds over time. It's, and maybe like, have you heard of the example of the elephant and the chain? That supposedly, I've never done this because I haven't gotten to free Lucy out of the Edmonton Zoo and try this with her. But anyways, the, um, there's like the, this idea that the elephant, you chain up an elephant to like a stake 
this big strong stake and the elephant will pull and pull and pull and pull and pull and eventually they'll give up realizing they can't move and once they've decided, once they've realized they can't move, they'll never try and pull on it again. And so you could swap that, um, swap that chain out that was powerful and strong and holding them back, swap it out for a little tiny string that they could easily rip out. But the problem is once the belief system has taken place in the elephant, they'll never try and pull it out again. And this is kind of how the enemy works in our lives. That's how a stronghold works. So what do his lies sound like? How do we know? How do we detect these things? How do we know if we're getting lied to? Well, it's often words spoken over us by somebody we trust or somebody maybe we don't trust or words we speak to ourselves. We just keep telling ourselves the lie over and over and over and over and then we start to believe it and then we start to live it. Or maybe this, he can use our own self-awareness against us. Someone will give us a look or make some comment that they were just trying to make us laugh, but it, all of a sudden it, it becomes hurtful. And what, what happens is that we, we believe the lie about that look and we turn it, uh, that lie about, about ourselves, we turn it all, all about something, like it's something more than just a look or unforgiveness or shame. Shame gets into our lives. And then what happens with shame is that shame often leads to pride as a way of self-preservation. And what, what does the Bible say? God opposes the proud. And it just makes a mess in our lives. Here's the deal. We talked about this last week. The, the enemy will use whatever we give him. So what's our job? To not give him anything. To not allow these lies to operate in our minds and in our hearts. We want to go to uh, Genesis chapter 3 this morning. Um, Genesis means origin or new beginnings. And um, we're going to see kind of what the enemy did with the very first lie and how he messed with Eve here. The devil uses lies that are mostly true and he twists the truth, but then the devil uses lies that are mostly true, but not the whole truth, okay? So sometimes he doesn't even have to twist it. Sometimes he just leaves out things and that's how he can mess with us. So Genesis chapter three, one to seven. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Right there, we're seeing him twist the truth. He knows God didn't say that. Um, but what he's doing is he's twisting the truth. He's messing with Eve. Did God really say this? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit from the trees in the garden. But the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. And then this is where he uses the truth, but not the whole truth. No, you will not certainly die. A certain serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows when you eat it, your eyes will be open, which is, again, true, not the whole truth. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. This is Eve's good nature. She wanted to be like God. She wanted to be wise. And so she took some of its fruit and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they, knew, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made it coverings for themselves. So his first lie is not necessarily the strong statement. It's actually more of a subtle question. Did God really say you must not eat from the fruit of the garden? He, he twists the truth. And then he lies with partial truth. Why? Because what God meant by death and what the devil meant by death in these things were in, in these 
circumstances were totally different. So what God meant by death was that it was a, the immediate death that would happen as soon as she ate the fruit wasn't that her heart would stop beating. It was a spiritual death. This also um, made, uh, no longer made eternal life a guarantee for everybody. Before, uh, when things were perfect, it was just like eternal life was gonna be for everybody no matter what. We didn't have to, we just live with God and, we're, and, and so there was a death to that. And, and now this death um, that happened because of this fruit was that eternal death was now possible. It wasn't a possibility before. So that's what God meant by death. But what did the, the devil mean by death? It wouldn't, wouldn't be a physical death. She, he was right. She wouldn't stop breathing in that moment. Her heart wouldn't stop in that moment. So what God meant by death and what the devil meant by death were different things. This is how he lies. This is how he messes with us. These little sneaky things, schemes of the enemy. It's not that we have to be afraid of him. It's that we have to be aware of him. The tree of knowledge of good and evil was forbidden for people to eat because wisdom acquired through it uh, eating it led to independence from God, which surely that is death. We don't want to be independent from God. Whereas true wisdom begins in the fear of the Lord. God, I just, I, I reverence you. I honor you. I want to be holy and near you. And that's why I fear you. The devil doesn't just randomly lie about, to us with untrue facts that have no emotional value. What did he do? He played on Eve's good nature to be like God. It was an emotional thing. He, he knew that she knew who God was. This was emotional and it was personal. And it's something to be aware of, especially when it comes to relationships between you and your family and you and your friends around you, that the enemy wants to mess with your relationships. He wants you to read into looks. He wants you to read into conversations. He wants you to read text messages in a nasty way. You know what I'm talking about? Where oh, you're just trying to say something and they take it so much further. That's how the enemy wants to mess with you. And what happens is, we then sin because we believe a lie about what will make us happy. And that's exactly what Eve did. It's like, wow, she wants to be like God. She wants to desire uh, wisdom. Oh, and then believe the lie about what would make us happy. It's, it, the lie is, you'll be happier if. Your life will be better if. And the devil cast doubt over God's character, suggesting that God was jealous holding them back from their destiny, that they would become like God when they ate it. So the devil held out this promise of divinity, knowing good and evil, which was mostly true, but not the whole truth. And here's the lie that we believe. I don't actually believe God knows what's best for me. I believe that is the lie underneath all other lies. We don't actually believe that God knows what's best for us. And this is the lie that leads us to disobedience. This is the lie that leads us to uh, living our own way. This is a lie that leads us to living um, out of holiness, out of grace, out of you know, the, the covering that God wants to have for our lives. And if you live with a lie uh, in your mind long enough, What's false starts to become true. Lies distort our souls. They drive us to ruin. They make our, our minds cloudy. And we start to sort of believe that life is about chasing perfection and going from one thing that'll make us happy to the next thing that'll make us happy. And, and it's always about what's gonna make us happy next? What's gonna make us happy next? And none of it fulfills and, and because it's always about chasing our plan and not stopping and going, God, what is your plan for my life? 
I want to feel fulfilled. At the end of the day, I want to have peace in my life. God, what would you have me do? And what happens is we, we just so often get into our minds that we don't even necessarily think this sentence, but it's the sort of undertone of everything is that God doesn't actually know what's best for me. But life isn't about just chasing what's going to make us happy next and being unfulfilled and unfulfilled and unfulfilled and happy for a little bit. But it's about honoring and obeying the Father, trusting that he knows what will give us the best life. And often, not often, I myself sound worse than I am, but there's, there's times where I do feel sorry for myself. There's times where I do feel like, man, I, I just, I'm not happy right now. And here's my go-to verse when I'm feeling a little bit sorry for myself. Hebrews 5, 8, though he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And I think that we have to learn that sometimes that God's trying to teach us something, that he's not just trying to give us, and sometimes he is trying to give us a miracle, but sometimes he's saying, no, stick with it. There's a process. I'm trying to do something bigger in you and you have a plan and, and, you, and you have a purpose and you have a way you think it's gonna go. But you gotta understand, I have a plan. I have a purpose. I have a way it's gonna go. And you have to trust that I know what's best for you. I'm your father, okay? In the Bible it says he's the author and perfecter of our faith, not the suggester and the perfecter of our faith. And maybe this is a good idea. I don't know. The devil, he lies through the status quo of society as well, or maybe simply put culture. He wants to lie to you through what you put your faith in. Because if you keep putting your faith in God, it's going to strengthen that. It's, it's the most important muscle in your body to build. Listen, I don't build a lot of muscles in my body, but I am intentional about this one. <laughs> that... He, he, wants to, he wants to lie to you about what you're supposed to put your faith in. How he'll do this through society or through culture, through status quo, whatever, however you want to say it, is he'll, he'll have you looking at what everybody else is doing and then thinking, that's what's going to bring me happiness. Neighbor got a new truck. I got to get a new truck. There are so many trucks on my street, you would not believe the amount of trucks. Um, finances. Oh, I just, if I could just get to where this mentor would teach, was teaching me to get to, oh, then I would be happy. Then I'd find that fulfillment. Oh, if I could just get married. Everybody else is married. That's why they're happy. You know, I, if I could just get to that. Or just, you just, you just little things that you put your faith in that will eventually leave you unfulfilled. Not that marriage is a bad thing. Or trucks for that meeting. I mean, say Alberta, let's go. Um, but we don't, we don't put our faith in that. It's not that all of our happiness rises. It's not all our success and fulfillment uh, lies in that. Or qual finances, quality of living, whatever. It's just these sort of unspoken things that are out there. Or how about, how about sexuality? Or, or gender, or, or, or marriage, divorce, or these sort of things that kind of come into culture and, and, and they start to, culture starts to say like, this is, this is the thing, this is the way people ought to live. This is what's going to make us happy. And it's a confusing thing. And I'm not trying to shame anyone who's been divorced whatsoever. Uh, if you, you, everybody has their story. Thank God for his mercy, for his grace. But we, 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 we want to look at all these things in life, and we want to put it through the lens of the Bible, and then we want to land 
uh, where we have our stance on it. We, we don't want to just kind of go, well, my, my, you know, my friends did this, or I saw my parents do that, or whatever. I, I mean, it's good to le- learn from other people's examples, but at the end of the day, we want to get our, our stance on everything and our guide to everything from the Word of God. And sort of what we see happening is even in the, the Christian world, especially because the conversation is all about gender and sexuality right now. And I just feel that it would be foolish for us as pastors, shepherds, whatever you want to call us, to just leave it alone and hope you guys figure it out on your own. Because here's the fruit of what I've seen in some Christians is the, the fruit is, well, you know, I just feel like uh, we, we shouldn't be going against the grain because people will think we're hateful and, and judgmental. But what we want to do is we want to stand on orthodoxy. We want to we come back and say, okay, what, is, what does God say about this thing? And, and the, the, the common thing is, well, well, love is love and God is love. And it's like, how do you, you can't get the definition from the definition. Love is love. You have to get God's definition and, and what, what's God's direction for us. And we'll figure it out through that. And so, but what happens is, is the progressive God is all about love. There's no mention of holiness. It's, it's, all, it's all about, you just, you know, it's just, it's just love, love, love. We'll just figure it out and love and everybody, just love everybody. But what is the fruit of, of the way that the world has been head, heading? Is this making people happier? Are people more loving? Are, are, is what they say true? Are, are teen suicides dropping? Are, are people living happier lives? Are they thriving in a way that they weren't prior to this liberation we're living in? And so we have to, we have to understand that, that yes, while God is love, the Orthodox God is all about holiness as well. This is how we connect with him. This is how we experience his presence often. And obviously the grace of God, you can experience the presence of God in a moment. But I just, as, as what I've seen and what I see in the Bible is as, we're, as, we're, uh, as we prioritize holiness, seeing him, it becomes easier and clearer. Experiencing his presence becomes easier and clearer. And, and it helps us guide our way through life. When we look at this, I'll say it this way. What ends up happening is people look at scripture through the lens of culture, what am I seeing around me and how does scripture support that that is true? Instead of looking at the culture through the lens of scripture. So we don't, we don't look at uh, these sort of things and think, okay, how am I gonna, how do I um, get my viewpoint, all these things through the culture? And then how does the Bible support me as a Christian to, to look at, have a, a viewpoint of things this way? No, we look through the Bible and we say, okay, God, what's the framework you've given us to figure out marriage, gender, sexuality, uh, whatever, you, whatever it is. Like, I'm just, those are just the things on the top of my head this morning. But whatever it may be, we look through the lens of Scripture and then we say, okay, I'm going to develop my um, uh, structure and my, my authority and what I live uh, in my life through, through that. And so we don't want to compromise marriage. We, when we look at marriage, it's not like, well, Everybody gets divorces, so I can just get a divorce if it doesn't work out. And again, I'm not trying to shame you if you've had one. Thank God that he's got grace for you, a new plan for you. But, but what we have to understand is that marriage is a big deal. If you're not married yet, marriage is a big deal. 
We want to get it right. And because we're not, we, we don't want to have this backup plan of, well, I'll just get a divorce, no big deal. Because that's not what God has led us to. He's saying this is a covenant between a man and a woman forever. It's a big deal. Uh, let me, if I could say it this way. When I, when I tell my son, my five-year-old son, to clean his room, okay, his definition of clean and my definition of clean are worlds apart. So his definition of clean is push everything off the area rug and, and let it kind of pile up around the room and, and, and maybe stuff some stuff in some drawers and it's clean. But me, it's because he doesn't know better. He's just learning. He's, he's, a, he's five years old. He's a child. And he's, he's starting to, he's figuring life out. But I'm more experienced. And, and I have different standards. And I know because my mom and experience and YouTube and whatever, I follow Go Clean Co. And they taught me how to clean and whatever. <laughs> uh, and so, and, and so my, my standard of cleanliness is totally different from his. And it's okay. He's a child. He'll figure it out eventually. But I don't just say, oh yeah, that's clean. It's fine. I lower my standards because of his standard of clean. I say that, no, if I'm going to have this house clean, if people are going to come over, they're going to judge me as a person on how your room looks. It's going to be up to my standards of cleanliness. I don't lower my standards to his standards of cleanliness. I think the world has a different standard of morality than we do, and that's okay. We can love them, but we don't compromise our standards for them. But we can mess this up. We can mess this up because I think where we're um, labeled hateful and where we get it wrong sometimes is we go into the world's spaces and we say, this should be up to my standard. The problem is we're in their zone and we're in their world. And, and Paul actually instructs us in 1 Corinthians 5 not to do that. And so it would be like, it would be like when I, and so in the church, we have a standard. In the church, we say, this is our standard for marriage, for, for whatever. This is our standard that we expect. This is orthodoxy. This is how we follow Jesus is by having these standards. But when we go back home, things change. I don't go, I don't see my neighbor out on his, in his backyard drinking too much and go, it's got to be living up to my standard. I'm a Christian. I'm just going to go over there, let myself in. Young man, there's a lot of coconut cans out here, okay? <laughs> Let's polish it up. It's up to my standards. Why? Because I subjected myself to that neighborhood. I, didn't, I don't show up in my neighborhood and say, guys, I'm the pastor here now. Everybody's going to be living at Orthodox Christianity. Bring your tithes to my house. I'll deal with them. Uh, no. Right. And so that's where, that's where we can be loving people is we can go into these spaces and without compromising our standards, without compromising our orthodoxy, love people, man, prophesy over people, tell them how good God is, live a life of how good God is. Don't be sitting there talking about how awful your life is when you're sitting there with those people. What? And, and, and with, we can go and do that and love those people without compromising our standards and our orthodoxy. Do you get it this morning? We have to build our foundation on the word of God and Christian tradition. We look at 
hey, what did Thomas Aquinas believe? What did Augustine believe? What did our, you know, our Christian forefathers believe? And, and they'll help us as we get through this thing. So how do we determine what is a lie and what is reality? We always want to fight lies with truth. Our connection to God is the greatest way to know the truth, being in his presence, um, obviously his word. Um, and what, what does he say when you know the truth? What happens? The truth will set you free. What was, the, what was the devil's goal with Eve though? Disconnection from God. Isolation so that he can implant his lies into our minds, our hearts, our souls. The enemy wants you to cut yourself off with God, but God wants to show you your potential, your acceptance, who he says you are, his presence. Man, he, his presence alone will lead you to holiness because you just want to be like him. You want to fear him. You want his wisdom. And, and you just get in his presence. And that's, that's what will take place. And the enemy, he'll lie about who God is and who we are and what the good life is. He'll lie about what, what's, how do you, how do you ha- enjoy life? He'll lie about that. His goal, to undermine God's love, wisdom, and authority. And so we have to take a step back And we have to ask ourselves these questions this morning. Who is God? He's the creator, the author, the father. Again, not the suggester, the author. Who are we? We're his children. What does that mean? We have access to his power. And he has power over what? The devil? He has power over all these lies. He has power over the demonic realms of this world. And so that means we have access to that. We have all that power as well. That's what the word of God says. We inherit his authority over the enemy. And how do we live? We allow him to define how we live, not culture. We allow him to define our standards, our morality, morality what is a priority to us, not culture. Too many people think the good life is what culture defines it as. And then you'll go and you'll chase those things and you'll wonder, why am I living an unfulfilled life? Why am I still not happy? Why am I still not getting what I want? It's because you put yourself into slavery, even though the sun set you free and you're supposed to be free indeed. How do we fight the lies of the enemy? How do we build ourselves up in this whole thing? I, I just believe that all of our solutions are found in what we call in the Christian world, spiritual formation. Speaking scripture to lies. If you notice a pattern, the thought process about yourself, you go find a scripture that undoes that thought process and you speak that to yourself every day. Abiding, fasting, silence, solitude, quiet prayer, all of these things. Get scripture in your heart. This is where truth comes from. Often the truth comes from, uh, our truth comes from what someone's spoken over us or what we've just had handed down to us, what we've heard people say. And then that's kind of where we're trying to build our truth from. The internet, we're just trying to figure out what our truth is. But we got to come back to the scripture. We got to come back to God. We got to come back to his presence. It's in spirit and truth. All of this should lead us to this knowledge. Luke chapter 10. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents. Interesting. What's the form that the enemy took? Serpent. It's not a trick question. We're going back to kindergarten here, guys. Um, 
but I have given you authority to tread on them and all over the power of the enemy and over all the power of the enemy, sorry. Look at the promise, nothing shall hurt you. But then he says, don't rejoice in this. Don't make a big deal out of it. This is just who you are. Like I don't run around being like, I'm blonde, everybody, look. Oh my gosh, it's so amazing. I don't rejoice in that. That's just who I am. And, and he's saying the same thing. This is just the, the power in your life. Just walk in that authority. It's not, it's not even a, like a big deal. This is just who you were born as. Stop believing the lie that you don't have that power to conquer all these things. And then he says what? But rejoice that your name's written in heaven. Rejoice that that's where you belong. That you weren't made for this world. You belong to your Father in heaven. That's where you belong. And when we call something a lie, we mean it doesn't correspond to reality. And so we have to figure out what, what is reality? And that's where the Bible really helps us. That's where orthodoxy helps us. That's where just coming back to the Word of God and saying, man, I just want to get stuff right. I, I don't want to make sure people understand my opinion. I just want to come back to the Word of God, look at life through that. And I, here's a, maybe an example. Um, what do we got? Somebody got a red shirt on here. You got a red hoodie? Is that, it's kind of maroon. Let's go, let's go full red. Right there. You got a red shirt. Nice shirt. Um, and I, I think this sort of some of the examples I've given about lies and stuff is... Um, you, you, you have that red shirt on and sometimes um, you can surround yourself by people that say, um, bro, that's a nice yellow shirt. And you can be like, I thought it was red. And everybody else is saying, no, man, that's yellow. That's so, that's nice yellow. And then maybe you, maybe you had somebody you trusted be like, yeah, it is yellow. And, 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 and then all of a sudden to yourself, you're like, oh, it is yellow. Everybody's saying it's yellow. Yeah, and maybe there's like a billboard you're driving home that says, you know, red is the new yellow or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> but what, what I'm saying this morning is that for you to figure out the truth for your life, you're going to have to go back to the rainbow and go, for hundreds of years, people have said that this is red on the rainbow. And, and you have to, and this is the example I'm trying to give with the Word of God, is that that's the truth, that for hundreds of years, it's been, this is, this is history, that this is red, and my shirt matches this. And that's how I find the, sh the truth about my shirt, is that it lines up with the truth of the rainbow, that these are both red. And sometimes it can get so messy and so cloudy in this world, and we have to come back to the truth about what is lies and what is not, what is, and what is unreality. Our faith is based in the knowledge of reality. The Word of God is reality. The Gospels are history, not some mythical writings, okay? This isn't Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. The Gospels are history. This is the truth about our lives. We can trust these things, and it's the, 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 the map, the, the framework to move forward in this life. Okay. We're gonna quickly end with just three verses here. In fact, maybe if you could just close your eyes and just ask yourself, what lies have you been living? Have you been holding back because of a stronghold? Have you pushed pause on a dream that God gave you because maybe you're embarrassed by it? 
Did you pick up something from culture that doesn't align with the Word of God? Maybe you just haven't gotten into His Word enough to know. What lies might you be believing? What, might, what lies might you be living? What might, lies might you be believing? Maybe that you're not enough, that you're better on your own, that God doesn't want to be near you. Some people are like, There's, I feel like there's something wrong with me, that God doesn't want to be near you. That is just not the truth. Ephesians 6, finally, be strengthened by the Lord, by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. Our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not, it's not against our neighbors, our friends, our teachers, our whatever, but against the rulers and the authorities and the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil and the spiritual forces in the heavens. And you might be here today saying, well, I don't know, I've just, I've done so much or I just feel disconnected or I'm just, I'm just feeling really confused. First Peter 2.9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's special possession. See, before Jesus, it was Israel that was God's chosen people. It was the Jews. Now, because of Jesus, we're all God's chosen people. You're God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. This is how we're to think about ourselves. God has created us for a purpose. We're chosen people. We're God's special possession. Why do you believe these negative thoughts that come to your mind? We've got to speak this scripture to them. I'm God's special possession. God, forgive us for not understanding our authority and our belonging to you. Forgive us for our compromise of holiness as we sort of, at times, allow culture to cloud our judgment or allow the enemy to speak lies to our heart, allowing him to twist or not give us the whole truth. I pray that we would come to you today for the truth, but we come to your word. That we would reconnect with you Father, thank you for your word in Hebrews 4.16. It says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy. What's mercy? A covering. A covering on what happened from the past and a covering for the future. And then find grace. What's grace? A second chance to help in the time of need. Thank you, Father. Thank you for a church full of amazing workers for you. God, whether we're working at our jobs for you, whether we're working at our homes for you, we're doing both. Whether we're just out connecting with family, Lord God. I pray that 
um, we would just align ourselves with your word, with your plan and your purpose for our lives. And I just want to pray quickly as we end this service for anyone who um, you believe in Jesus, you believe he, he died for your sins, um, but you know you're not living for him right now and you want to change that. You can simply pray a prayer that says if you, that you, that you believe in your heart. So you can simply pray a prayer that confesses with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's what the Bible says to do. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. You will be saved. And we believe that and we want to pray that as Celebration Church family. We want to pray that over you today. Uh, if you want to pray this prayer with me, go ahead and just speak it out. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, living a perfect life, and dying on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe that you're Lord and God raised you from the dead. From now on, I live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's put our hands together for all those who prayed that today. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.